your friend. You don't go over there and shake hands, smile, hug their neck. Let's knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. You know what that means? Do you? We're the underdog. We're mutts. My number one play is the power sweep. If you only knew the power of the dark side... Welcome in to Hour 3, the Power Hour, on Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Join the conversation now on the Long & Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900, or text Rick and the show at Text line's open for you, 744-2990. You know, I'm not so sure that pound for pound, this, I mean, I could make an argument. This might be my favorite all note song. Still more of an old school, you know, rich girl, Sarah Smile fan, maybe, but it's good stuff, man. I mean, I, I would rather hear Out of Touch than Kiss on My List, you know, Private Eyes. I mean, they're good songs. I'm just saying, if I had to choose, I, yeah, they may have had a hit or two. I, that, <laughs> I, breaking news, by the way, here on the program about Hall of Oats, in case you didn't know it, they... They may have been chart toppers. Nah, that's the scuttlebutt. 
And I'll die on the hill that uh, in terms of modern programming, music programming, that uh, Live from Daryl's House is pound for pound one of the uh, the best ways to spend an hour if you're ever just kind of perusing around. He does a really nice job with that uh, show. I don't know whether it's still in production or not, but uh, a lot of the modern artists, a lot of classical artists show up at his house and they perform their songs and his songs and they eat and they just talk about stuff. It's, it's really cool. So if you haven't seen it, you got to check it out. Check out the guest list. Got to be somebody on there that you would be interested in. And then they just get in there and jam with Daryl's band literally in his home in this massive studio that they've built. I mean, you can't beat it. Dude's in his 70s and looks like he's in his 50s. I mean, he looks great. He looks great. Let's go to the uh, Baker team hotline. Good morning. Who's this? It's Rocky. How are you doing there, big dog? Hey, Rock. How are you? Good, yeah, Hall of Notes. Yeah, they, they, they might have one or two good songs. Yeah, that's what I hear. That's the <laughs> scuttlebutt, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, they definitely had the groove, man. They had a they serious did. groove going on there. Absolutely, man. absolutely. And they got something where they're they're not getting along right now. It's always so disappointing when... I know, I know. You know, these, these great bands and they don't get along. And I can't, I, you know... Being in a band's got to be really tough, man. I've been watching the the Beatles uh, documentary Get Back, mm-hmm. and man, it is it's hard being in a band. It, it really is. is man. It is. It is. I mean, it's, I mean, that's your quintessential band of all time, right? You're right. And they had so many issues in and out every day. Yeah, it, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's hard to watch Yoko just murder the band. <laughs> just just murder the band. Absolutely. Man. Ugh. God. So and bad. Paul was the band, man. Everyone thinks, you know, John's the genius, but it was Paul. Yeah, it was. Paul is the, it, it was Paul. It Paul's was Paul. the reason why the Beatles are the Beatles, absolutely. man. Absolutely. 100%, 100%. I used to talk with Fred the Beatles guy about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I actually crossed paths with Yoko Ono one time when I was in California. <laughs> yeah? Um, uh, yeah, I was on Rodeo Drive. Out. We were tourists, and so we went there, and... <laughs> I walked past this woman who looked exactly like Yoko Ono. She had, like, the buzz cut and then, like, the big windshield wiper sunglasses yeah. that she used to do. Yeah. Yeah, I swear to God, I think I walked right past Yoko Ono. Did she try to destroy yeah. your afternoon and make you guys change whatever was on your mind? That's what she did with the Beatles. <laughs> no, no, she had her credit card out, and she was spending all of John's money. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. That makes sense. That was the whole plan from the beginning, spend all of John's money. Yeah, that's right, that's that's right. Uh, switching gears here, the Radford Highlanders men's basketball team, Big Dog, they gave up 51 points in the second half to Winthrop. They mm-hmm. gave up 99 to High Point. What is going on on the defensive end for the uh, Highlanders? It's it's as bad as I've seen it in a long time, I mean, defensively. And I think – I don't know if the coaches have answers right now, but you're right, 99 points they gave up. Um, they allowed a kid to score his career high in the first half. Yeah, it set a record against any Radford team that one player scored 30 points and a half. And they got a lot of things they have to try to uh, solve here. Um, four games left in the regular season. Best thing about the Big South is you you, you know you win the tournament, you're in. It's a one-bid league, and we've seen teams that have struggled 
for a month or whatever, and they all of a sudden they put it together the last week or so, and I think that's what they kind of have to work toward now, just trying to get better every day. But you're right, defensively, it is really um, it's really not shown up recently for this team. Well, we talk about it all the time because if you if you follow the Big South, every team is competitive. Yeah. These guys are yeah. not going on to the NBA. They're not, you know, they weren't McDonald's All Americans. You know, they compete. That's all they have. All they have is their pride and their competition and playing for their family. And every team has got guys who will just flat out compete. And I think the Highlanders are getting out competed. They've got, they're just not competing on the level that it takes to win in the Big South. Something that's also, I've noticed, is they feel very predictable. Um, I think Radford right now has been very predictable for probably the last month. You know what you're going to get from that team, and other teams are taking advantage of the Highlanders being very predictable. Another thing that's really bothering me is they are not going into the low post. Do you know why they're not going to Johiah Harris and Justin Archer? Why are they not feeding the low block? Man, those guys have got position. Do you know why they're not feeding the low block? Yeah, I just, I, you know, I listen to the coaches and I watch what you watch. And I think it's just lack of recognition because both of those guys are capable of scoring. Justin Archer gets a lot of his points with how hard he works on the glass, but he is a guy that has some um, skills down there if he can catch the ball deep enough. He does. He only had three shots, you know. I mean, he's, he's not getting enough opportunities. There's no question that the post guys, it, it's got to run inside and out if it's going to be successful and it's not doing that. Yeah, Josiah Harris is a machine, man. He is a really good player. Justin Archer's putting in the work to become a big-time player. And these guys have got to get double-doubles. That's the solution. They've got to get double-doubles from Harris and Archer because you can't win a game without an inside game. And basketball is all about easy buckets. It's all about easy buckets. You've got to get easy buckets, and you've got to get them around the rim. And unfortunately... They're also getting pushed around on the defensive end. Guys are stronger than they are. They're pushing them out of position. And the inside game, for me, is what is killing the Highlanders right now. They've got to get double-doubles out of their big guys. They've got to have an inside presence. And defensively, they're getting pushed around. They're getting pushed underneath the basket. They're getting dominated on the defensive side of the ball. And offensively, they are not making a contribution. And everyone's like, three points is more than two. Look at the analytics. Two points is more than zero. And when you get, you know, one for 11 from three-point land, that sets you back. You've got to get easy buckets. You've got to get two points on the inside. And right now their offense is out of balance, and defensively they're getting pushed around underneath the basket. So for me, the Highlander's going to turn it around. It's got to start on the inside game. Harris and Archer have got to get double-doubles, man. That's the recipe the guards are dancing around the three-point line doing their stuff, and sometimes it works. And when it doesn't work, you're left with nothing. And that's what's happening. They're getting left with nothing, and they have nothing coming out of the inside game. And they've got to re- recalibrate and get this team balanced again, man. My fav- you know, Some of my favorite players was Horace Grant. You know, My favorite Tar Heel is George Lynch, man. I like guys on the inside who are going to work, who's going to get you baskets, who's going to get you defensive positioning. And they don't have anything on the inside. And it's really glaring obvious, and it's a big weakness for them, and it's really easy to fix. They've just got to change their mindset. So get Harris involved, get Archer involved, get double-doubles, and you're going to be right back in the game. So that's all I got. Talk to you later, big dog. Thanks, Rock. Good to see you tonight, by the way.
Thanks, man. Thanks. Yep, for you bet. Out. All right, man. Um, 639-4900-744-2990. You know, I thought Darius Nichols, who never shies away from a, a tough question, you know, he said, look, I, I think guys are starting to get the mentality that they just want it to be over. And he had a talk with him reminding them that these are the days you'll never get back and you'll regret it the rest of your life. He says he talks to teammates. He was telling us on the postgame show, um, you know, that teammates that he played with at West Virginia – and players that he'd coached when he was at Florida, and they always said, boy, they'd like to have so-and-so game stretch back. You know, they didn't feel like either they had the right mindset, and now that they're away from it certain years and how they've gotten on with their professional lives, and in most cases these are folks not continuing in basketball, um, they think about those times and they wish they would have savored every minute. So that was a conversation I know we had with the team down at High Point after the game because he shared it with us on the post game and maybe something like that will hit home um, with this group. We'll have to wait and see. Another one of those strange weeks, though. They've got us moved to Thursday. It's another nationally televised game, but this time it's on the road down in Boiling Springs and at Gardner-Webb. So another short turnaround before you come home this time, though, at least for the first time and uh, and play Longwood this coming Saturday. But um, a lot of things that they have to get solved here to get back to playing the way they were in the non-conference. And in the middle part of the conference, they had a nice stretch, but uh, it hasn't been very positive as of late, um, dropping their fifth straight game this past Saturday. 639-4900-744-2990 is the text line. By the way, I'd be remiss um, if I didn't talk about the passing of Lefty Giselle. Um, he passed away at 92. His former great Tom McMillan put it up on his Twitter page. Giselle ended up with 786 wins, parts of five decades. He was the first coach to win more than 100 games at four NCAA Division I schools. Of course, he got started at Davidson way back in 1960. Then he brought Maryland into national prominence from 69 to 86. And, of course, um, that was kind of overshadowed by the end of his run there, and that was the the tragic death, the cocaine-induced death of the All-American Lenny Bias, who I think would have had an argument to stand beside Michael Jordan as the greatest of all time if he had gotten a professional career. Giselle won five conference titles in nine seasons at James Madison. He was successful at Georgia State for seven years through 2003 I mean and just a great great dude who we had on the show a couple of times back during the first run of the show um just a great great guy and um he would tell stories about the coaches in the ACC in the New River Valley and um he had a really good long life 92 years and he called Maryland what he wanted them to be was the UCLA of the East. He was going to build the UCLA of the East going forward. That was his motivation. But uh, rest in peace, Lefty Drizelle. It One of those characters that is just so widely respected and thought of um, in the game and will always be. I mean, his legacy is intact. There's no question about it, especially here at home, you know, for all of us who have followed the ACC so closely. All right, we will be back. More coming up here 
We'll get into some of these uh, historical rules changes in sports. Have they been good or bad? with two X's. Make sure you get it right. Uh, bottom of the hour coming up in about three minutes. You know, we talked in the first hour, got a lot of response uh, in particular to what a joke the NBA has become. It's All-Star Weekend. 211 points were scored by the winning team. Uh, the league is failing um, in just about every way. And Talking about NASCAR, and people like me agreed, which I thought was very refreshing. I didn't know how people felt about the stages. I think it's ridiculous. I think it takes away from what the basic concept of the entire sport is supposed to include, and that's endurance. That's about your pit crew. That's about your driver, your tires, everything. And you take away all that strategical buildup and thought process when you're stopping every 60 you know, laps or so to, to take a little break. You know, it reminds me of the whole George Carlin when he did the classic stand-up bit, football versus baseball. In football, you wear a helmet. In baseball, you wear a cap. <laughs> you know, he goes through, it's great. And he goes through all the military uh, um, terms and motivations of football. And then at the end, and for baseball, the goal is to... Go home. Let's just go home. And I start to see NASCAR, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. You've been out there for 60 uh, 60 laps. It's time to come in for a break. Everybody come in. Let's get a drink. Anybody need to go potty? Let's work on those cars. We don't want anybody to be too stressed out. I'm just not interested in it. And the rule changes in baseball. You know, the pitch clock I agree with. Every every level of baseball should have a pitch clock. There's no question. Love it. Love the pitch clock. You know, the bases being bigger, eh. I don't like the extra inning rules at all. You know. But what has helped sports and what hasn't? The three-point shot in college basketball and pro basketball. Basketball throughout has helped in some ways, but now it's kind of like, you know, in a lot of ways, it's taken away from the game, right? Because it's become too much of a three-point shooting game. It had to happen. Shot clock is not in high school basketball. What's the rule here? What was the rule? Hang on. Rodney sent me a um, direct message. Yeah, he says that, there's a new high school basketball rule. If you collect a fifth foul in high school basketball, that always results into two shots, no more one-on-one on the seventh foul. Yeah, it does take away something. Everything's two shots? Yeah, I don't like that at all. It changes the whole thing. That's a good point. Very good point, Rodney. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. 
Final segment, more of this discussion when we return. 744-2990. Love to get your thoughts. Professional wrestler Jimmy Vaya, tell my people, all my brothers and sisters, listen to Rick Watson. Yeah! Right, welcome back. 25 minutes to the top of the hour here on this Monday. And you know, I mentioned it, and because it's Monday, why not? I'm going to play this. You need to hear this. This will cheer you up if you're driving along, getting ready for work. I referenced the George Carlin baseball versus football. May he rest in peace. He was such a brilliant brilliant comedian here he is with the baseball versus football stand-up i think it's worth a listen like to talk a little bit about baseball and football starting with baseball baseball is different from any other sport in a lot of different little ways for instance in most sports you score points or you score goals in baseball you score runs in most sports the ball or the object is put in play by the offensive team in baseball the defense puts the ball in play and only the defensive team is allowed to touch the ball in fact in baseball if an offensive player touches the ball intentionally he's out Also, most sports, the team is run by a coach. In baseball, the team is run by a manager. And only in baseball does the manager or the coach have to wear the same uniform the players do. Can you picture Bill Parcells in his New York Giants uniform? Now, baseball and football are different from one another in other kind of interesting ways, I think. First of all, Baseball is a 19th century pastoral game. Football is a 20th century technological struggle. (laughs) Baseball is played on a diamond in a park, the baseball park. Football is played on a gridiron in a stadium, sometimes called Soldier Field or War Memorial Stadium. Baseball begins in the spring, the season of new life. Football begins in the fall when everything is dying. In football, you wear a helmet. In baseball, you wear a cap. Football is concerned with downs. What down is it? Baseball is concerned with ups. Who's up? Are you up? I'm not up. He's up. In football, the specialist comes in to kick. In baseball, the specialist comes in to relieve someone. In football, you receive a penalty. In baseball, you make an error. Whoops. Football has hitting, clipping, spearing, blocking, piling on, late hitting, unnecessary roughness, and personal fouls. Baseball has the sacrifice. (laughs) 
Football is played in any kind of weather. Rain, sleet, snow, hail, mud. Can't read the numbers on the field, can't read the yard markers, can't read the players' numbers. The struggle will continue. In baseball, if it rains, we don't come out to play. I can't come out to play, it's raining out. Baseball has a seventh inning stretch. Football has the two-minute warning. <laughs> Baseball has no time limit. We don't know when it's going to end. We might have extra innings. Football is rigidly timed, and it will end even if we have to go to sudden death. <laughs> in baseball, during the game in the stands, there's kind of a picnic feeling. Emotions may run high or low, but there's not that much unpleasantness. In football, in the stands, during the game, you can be sure that at least 27 times you were perfectly capable of taking the life of a fellow human being. <laughs> Preferably a stranger. And finally, the objectives of the two games are totally different. In football, the object is for the quarterback, otherwise known as the field general, to be on target with his aerial assault, riddling the defense by hitting his receivers with deadly accuracy, in spite of the blitz, even if he has to use the shotgun. With short bullet passes and long bombs, he marches his troops into enemy territory, balancing this aerial assault with a sustained ground attack which punches holes in the forward wall of the enemy's defensive line. In baseball, the object is to go home. <laughs> and to be safe. <laughs> I hope I'll be safe at home. <laughs> safe at home. Oh, brilliant. This is the quickest way. And absolutely worth the entire listen there. I mean, that is some of the best uh, put together four to five minutes you're ever going to see by any comedian ever. Man, that was good. Anyway, along that same vein is what I was talking about with NASCAR rules, especially now and then, as opposed to the four, four and a half hour trudge of just starting the race and let's see how we end up. Will we have a chance to win? Ooh, did we get tangled up in an accident? Did somebody blow a tire? Did we hit the wall? Did we scrape a rail? Whatever. Did we get caught for speeding down the pit road? Now, of course, everything restarts. You can have a horrible first stage, and you can get it back in the second stage. If you're not a factor in the first two stages, who knows? If you've adjusted your car so much, and just right, maybe in the third stage, because that's really the only one that matters, right? You, could, you can be a non-factor in the first two. Heck, you might not even want to try and run your car too hard. But boy, if you win the third stage and you cross the finish line first, even if one car won the prior two stages, you are the winner of the race. It's not unlike George Carlin talking about the differences between football and baseball. So I don't know. I just, it doesn't appeal to me. You might look at it differently, and I don't know if it's something that's helping younger people get into the sport or not. It doesn't appear that way to me. You're still seeing a lot of empty stands, as uh, many of you uh, pointed out on the text line. The ratings aren't great. They're setting all-time lows for certain races. I always see that because I follow all the TV media people on Twitter, and I don't know what it'll rate today. Obviously, going from Sunday to Monday, Today's the Daytona 500. It won't nearly show up as well as it would have if it's a Sunday. So maybe you can throw out the ratings for today's race. But 
I can't again, and many of you agree, I just can't ever imagine a world in NASCAR where David Pearson and Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt and Kel Yarbrough, all those guys, I can't imagine any of those guys sitting here thinking this is the way it needs to be done with the whole stage interruption. And it is, it's just ironic that you have two different fan bases, two different demographics that are being targeted by advertisers and by the programmers, NASCAR fan as opposed to NBA fan, and how both of those entities running the sport have no idea what their sports are supposed to be about. All right? Imagine being in a football game and winning three quarters. Virginia Tech up on Syracuse, 27 to 21. The Hokies have outscored Syracuse in every score in every quarter. But oh, wait a minute! Syracuse scores a touchdown and wins 28-27 in the fourth quarter, and that's your final score. That's basically as ridiculous as that sounds. Isn't that basically what NASCAR is now? All right. Well, where did that, that 28 car, he was a non-factor in the first two stages. But boy, here in stage three, he wins it, <laughs> wins the race. And they dish out, what, different points and so forth. Is that right? Right? So I, I just, for me... I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And maybe you do. Um, but I don't. Just like I wouldn't want that to be the case with football. Just like I wouldn't want that to be the case with any other sport. You know? And I think that when you sit down, you try to watch it. Um, I think you feel the same way. Or at least I do. And I'm not interested in it. I, I'm just not. It, and I got to be honest, I didn't, you know, my dad loved it. And there were certain races, I guess, you could sit there and keep track with. I'm not usually going to sit down for anything that's four hours like that and watch it. <laughs> I mean, as much as we love football, we all agree that, Three-and-a-half-hour, four-hour football games are ridiculous, right? That's College football was headed in that direction. That's why they have tweaked the rules. We've talked about tweaking the rules. They've done so trying to help out the time. I, I hate the targeting rule. I, the new first down rule didn't bother me, keeping the clock running like the NFL. I don't think it was as big of a factor as people thought it was going to be. I don't think long-term that's going to hurt the game of college football. The targeting rule does. It's implemented poorly. Ejecting a player is ridiculous. It's one thing to throw a penalty on a helmet-to-helmet hit, but it's, it's another to just eject that player immediately. It just, it's stupid. The whole If you're on the field and your helmet comes off and you're not even affecting the play, you have to come off the field. There's things like that that just seem to be a little silly. I can't tell you how many times when I was playing up at Pulaski County, you'd end up and your helmet would get sideways and maybe come off you just kind of put it back on strapped it while you're going back to the huddle and you you lined up for the other play I don't know why that's a thing but it is talked about the new baseball rules 
I think many of the rules we can deal with, right? But some change the complexion of the sport so much that it becomes a scenario where you don't recognize it anymore. And I think that's what's happened with NASCAR. The NBA is different. It's a product of just absolute, well, it's laziness and a lack of passion for the game. The lifestyle is more important than the game. And you see that highlighted, and I'm glad it's a national conversation, with how just god-awful the All-Star game truly was, 211 to 186, players admitting they don't even want to be there, which is fine. But if you're going to do that, just eliminate the whole thing. The NFL, as much as I don't like Roger Goodell and question many of the things that it does and implements, at least it finally did the right thing and just canceled the Pro Bowl. Because there were so many concerns about injuries, senseless injuries, because the league has gotten to the point to where the athletes are so big and strong and you see so many injuries that going out there in a game like that and maybe potentially tearing a star quarterback's ACL or whatever, it's just not worth it anymore, even though those games were played full throttle for many, many years. Just eliminate it if you can't put together a product that makes any sense and try to create something else that the fans can try to learn to like, like they have done. And I don't know what you feel about it. I mean, I'm not going to take the time to watch the NFL Pro Bowl flag football game. I don't care about it. I mean, I don't, I don't care at all. I don't care if Peyton and, and um, Eli Manning are the coaches. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much at the point where I'm oversaturated, uh, oversaturated with the Mannings. I'm a little I'm over the whole thing. Don't even watch the Manning cast anymore. Baseball rules, bigger bases, whatever. Pitch count, I mean, the uh, pitch clock, like it. Extra inning rules, bad. Don't like the extra inning rules. College football's tried to tweak its overtime rules. Right now, what is it? You have two possessions. You have to go for two on the second one, and then they start the two-point conversion instead of having the seven, eight-plus overtime games that they would have. I don't know if I've seen enough games to end that way to where it affects it much for me. Maybe it will. I don't know. Maybe as a Tech fan, it will for you if it comes down to it. I haven't seen enough of it. I, I don't really have an opinion about that one. NFL overtime rules have been tweaked so much, so much criticism, especially in the playoffs when only one team was able to touch the ball. And it came into play again during the Super Bowl where the 49ers players were admitting they didn't know the rules of the overtime. Rodney talked about the new high school foul rule. He says the new high school rule is supposed to speed up the game, but taking two shots takes up more time than missing the first one and going to a one-and-one. Right. Very good point. I do think high school basketball needs a shot clock. Three-point line. I mean, it's been a huge success for the NBA and for college basketball. It has. Borrow maybe some things from the international rules, as I know they've done. That's why you now in basketball have the little semicircle underneath the basket for charges and fouls. That was an international rule. Hockey has 
made the area behind the ice. They've changed it several times, the scoring zones, right? They, they've changed the nets and things like that. I mean, you're trying to evolve the sport to where it makes sense, and I don't think NASCAR did that. I think they were show, so short-sighted that they attacked the crux of what that sport is all about, and it's the whole endurance and the whole fan ownership of that driver or that team it makes them want to put in an entire afternoon of support, whether they're in person or whether they're there watching on television. All they've done now is encourage people to say, well, it doesn't really matter. I'm just going to tune in for the third stage going forward. How'd my driver do? Oh, not so good in the first two. Well, this is the only one that matters. If they wins this one, he wins the race. So I'll watch this one. Right? You're basically telling your audience, this is why the ratings are so bad. This is why attendance is down, other than exorbitant ticket costs uh, ticket costs, and things like that and the food pricing. But your TV ratings go down because the first two stages don't matter. Imagine if the first two quarters didn't matter in a football game. <laughs> right? It's the same thing. What if the first half just didn't matter? No, no need. No need turning into that uh, that Tech-Louisville game because it really only starts to count in the second half. Or basketball. You just started a new score. Many of you text in, imagine basketball starting a new score at the beginning of every half or after every quarter. Absolutely. It's the same thing. It's the same thing NASCAR's doing. But... Anyway, good discussion. Coming back, wrapping up the program here. After this, when we return on a Monday. All right, we are back to uh, put a bow on another edition of the program. Good stuff. Really enjoy the uh, the text messages. Uh, most of you, well, actually not most. I haven't gotten one person who's defending uh, the way NASCAR is set up now with the stages. <laughs> People are talking about it. That's a great point about you're basically telling your audience. Like today, it's Daytona, right? If you're a racing fan, you think, oh, boy, great American race. Let's get, oh, well, is it stage three yet? How many laps are left? Only 10? Okay, now I'll start watching. I'd like to see the breakdown, and I'm sure they have it. They probably don't promote it, but I'm sure that they have the breakdown from when the race starts to this stage, that stage, blah, blah, blah. That's why they always are promoting the, uh, the scuffles, the fights, the, the, the crashes, and people. That, they, they want that. The sideshow has become bigger because they know they need to promote something, right? Tomorrow on the program, come on back with us. It'll be Mike Burnham, Jermaine Farrell, and... Uh, Obviously, David Smith, our NFL correspondent. Thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, and we'll see you tomorrow.
of us here at News Center 4. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, New River Valley.